0: G'day Aussie Gridiron fans and welcome to the week 7 recap episode of G'day Gridiron. We had a huge... Scoring week, in a week where Manjot and I successfully picked all of the big games of the week, but our predictions were very much off the mark. Oh, uh, yeah. huge amount of predictions this week from both of us, mate, and um, very little green checks on my list. Yeah, hello Ian, hello
1: everyone. Yep, that was a tough week of predicting. We,
0: we got zero of it right, I reckon. <laughs> I reckon so. <laughs> That's really going to – our our percentage is going to take a hit on our big predictions, unfortunately. So we'll get to that a, a bit later. But let's um, – how about we start off with some games of the week, uh, one of those that we picked, which was the big one. I think we can start with them because the Giants are now 6-1 and one after a 23-17 to 17 win over the Jags, uh, one that went right down to the wire. Uh and required a stop on the one-yard line by the Giants' defense to deny the Jags the win um, was a great game, I, I thought. It was a really – it was sort of an actual sort of good back-and-forth game. Nothing thrilling in terms of huge scoring or anything, but um, there was plenty to have from both teams on this. The Giants, obviously, they have now won their last four, um, which was is, is big for them. They're really on a roll. Uh, and then the big, I think the the big headline in this is Daniel Jones, hundred and seven rushing yards and a rushing TD. It, it's pretty soon, I think the the betting line on this bloke's um, under over for his rush is going to be around eighty. He's going to be like basically a running back. Um, it's it's insane. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Jones,
1: the two hundred plus passing yards and a hundred plus rushing yards. I think that's the first time since the. 1940s for a Giants quarterback to get those sort of numbers. That's what I saw on the Giants Twitter page a little earlier. So Daniel Jones, with a bit of a historic performance. Yeah, it was a difficult game, a difficult game to read. That's that's for sure, because when we were looking at it, I thought it would be a lot more in the Giants' favor. Mm. I was very, very confused when I looked at the the margins and everything coming in, and They were saying that the Giants were underdogs and I thought they were rightfully they deserved to be favorites. And
0: yeah, at five and one. At five and one, they're underdogs. That's disrespect.
1: The the disrespect they got. I reckon I reckon they saw that and then they just, you know, they did their job and they came out and they won. Trevor, though, Trevor Lawrence, I thought he did pretty well. Just every time it feels like. It comes down to him on that final drive, and he just can't get it done for some reason or the other. He just throws an interception, throws it up in the air, prays, and then it just it just gets intercepted. This time, though, no interceptions. Just, just couldn't connect at that one-yard line. They just couldn't... Christian Kirk just couldn't get in the end zone. He was really close. He oh. was reaching, and then got the ball knocked out of him, so... Oh boy, that was a close ending. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> Definitely, yeah. That was that was really close. That's is to basically get stopped on the the one yard and then push backwards uh to about the four yard. Um, there was a there was a huge play and obviously one that could have won the Jags the game. Um, yeah, I didn't... think one of the
1: interesting parts for the
0: Jaguars though is that they've
1: seemed to have chosen their running back of the future which we saw additionally at the end of the game as well. But Travis Etienne, he got 14 carries, 144 yards, and a touchdown. With James Robinson, he got zero carries at all. He barely yeah. saw the field. He had zero catches as well. I think he got a target, and that was it. And then the next day, they've just traded him to the Jets, which we'll cover in a bit. But yeah, he just got traded for a six-round pick which could be a fifth round pick if he hits six
0: hundred rushing yards. I believe yeah, so, he's um yeah James, James Robinson obviously tri- no, we'll do it now we may as well do it now. James Robinson traded traded to the Jets from the Jags for a sixth round, possibly a fifth round if he rushes for more than six hundred yards in a season. Uh and he's already at three hundred and forty yards. Um I was having a bit of chat to to Maddie C today over text about this, and both have said that it's a it's a massive surprise. Um, I think it's it's in uh, a bit of a crazy deal for the Jags to make, considering um, both ETN and Robinson have got very similar numbers. Um, Robinson's about four point eight yards carry, and ETN's at about six. Um, Robinson obviously his third third year. You know, he's been getting the the TDs. The bulk of the TDs where ETN. Basically hasn't been getting those TD carries, um, so I'd, it's a very strange decision. He's obviously still within his within his his five years, still within, con, yeah. Um, oh yeah, undrafted so, rookie. So
1: yeah. it hasn't really come down to the five years. I think he's on a two-year, three-year deal at this point. Two
0: so years this a, it's a very strange, uh, uh, very strange um, trade. Yeah, I think, that, just, just, I just mentioning Maddie because we have
1: both of them on our fantasy team in our 16-team Astro League, and so I've been following this situation quite closely. So, Etienne finally gets in the end zone this week. He had no touchdowns. I think he had the most... Yeah, he had the most rushing yards without a touchdown across the league this year, and finally gets the touchdown that we've been craving in our fantasy team. But... Looking at the numbers, he's been getting progressively more and more touches, more and more of the carries every single week. So his work has gone up whereas Robinson has just gone a little bit just it's just gone down progressively each week. And then this week it was just the most drastic. It was ETN pretty much a hundred percent of the work and Robinson got nothing. So it was it was a weird week across across that situation and it's just the culmination of the Jaguars finally got Etienne into the game, into the the Russian game fully, as they've always wanted to. He was a first round pick last year. They had to get him in somehow. Robinson, well, for the Jaguars, he was a real good shining light the last couple of years, especially as an undrafted free agent. He he did his job. He did way more than most undrafted free agents did, and he got them. He got them more he got them a drop pick so essentially he was worth more in the end than what he came in as definitely like the net worth of him he's gone from he's gone from like undrafted now he's worth a sixth maybe a fifth at this point so oh, he's, his value has gone up in that sort of sense but for for the Jets I think this is a good move for them a very low risk but high reward. We've seen what they've done with Brees Hall. Unfortunately, he's torn his ACL. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, Brees has a good recovery. One of my favorite rookie running backs, he is. Uh, but it's Robinson good. and Michael Carter, though, that's an interesting duo there at the Jets. And I think I think they can make it work with both of them, even without uh, even without Brees Hall. They've got they've got that Niners running scheme that they can use to their advantage. So. I think this is where you can have a guy like Robinson succeed yet again. And he's shown even as an undrafted rookie, he can still do the work in the NFL.
0: Well, he's certainly going to, he's certainly going to have every opportunity is, is say that the jets with Bruce, now out as well, um, because they are going to need him to really step up and do something. Um, So a bit of other news coming out of this game, uh, giants, um, tight end Daniel Bellinger suffered a fraction eye socket and septum oh. which is a horrible to even think about um, Coach yeah. Brian Dayball said Sunday that the rookie's eye didn't look good so he oh. would be, obviously be a big loss uh, if that's if he's definitely going to be out uh, for yeah. an extended period of time uh, which is a damn shame for the Giants who have been really rolling um so we'll get on to – let's move on to the next the next game of the week we had because we've got four this week because, as I said, yeah. in the, in the lead-up there, we picked four games to talk about in our preview show uh, before the weekend. And um, somehow we picked four big games. I don't know how – that's the first time that's happened in our seven weeks. So far. I think it's the first time in a couple of years that we've been podcasting that that's happened. <laughs> but, yeah. Finally uh, getting something right. <laughs> so – uh, your Le- Le- Lamar Jackson led Ravens finally eked out a win 23 to 20 over the Browns. Uh, and I mean eked out because I'm very unsure how it, how it happened. It looked like the Browns were going well, to, t- they tried, they really tried to get this win. Ravens now moved four and three. Browns are sitting at two and five, which is not a good look for the Browns at all. Um, I don't know how. The Ravens managed to do this considering Lamar threw nine of 16 and only 120 yards passing uh, in this game. So, and it wasn't, it didn't look like a lot of uh, yards on the ground either, actually. There was very low um, numbers in terms of total yards for this game for the Ravens all up. Whereas on the other side, Jacoby Brissett, 22 of 27 and 258 yards. <laughs> These, you can't you really can't fault the job that Jacoby Brissett has done for the Browns um, so far this season, and and obviously he's probably got about five more games to go. Um, as we all know, uh, the player who shall not be named is due to come back somewhere around week eleven, week twelve. Yeah. Um So yeah, and I guess that they were the Browns had really been hoping that Jacoby Brissett was going to sort of get this bit more of an even keel once they got to that point, maybe only a couple of games back. But at two and five already seven weeks in, uh, it's starting to look pretty dire for the Browns and their season.
1: Yeah, two and five, that's a big hole, especially in the North, where the mm. Ravens and the Bengals both won this week and moved to four and three. So yep. Yep. they're starting to push away from the Browns and the Steelers. It was a very tight before, coming into this week, I mean, it could have all been tied up at three wins apiece, but the Ravens and the Bengals just have gone away. That division, that division
0: still stayed kind of weird and equal two teams up and two teams down though. The Ravens and the Bengals yeah. both four and three and the Browns and the Steelers both two and five. So that just worked weird. out this week.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a weird, weird way to look at that division because it's just it's, yeah, they've both just, yeah, they stayed in groups and It's just the AFC North hasn't, I don't know, it's just a weird division. I think it's just a two-team race at this point with rookie quarterbacks and backup quarterbacks for the other couple teams. So, yeah, the established quarterbacks getting it done. Lamar Jackson didn't have his best game. I mean, he still had a small impact, but it was mainly the Gus Edwards show. He had a couple touchdowns. Gus Edwards, good job on his return. He hasn't played football in a while and finally getting back into it. So he's getting... He got a couple touchdowns, 66 rushing yards. I think that definitely has to be commended for the Ravens. They've got... Their defense finally came through at the end of the game because they were all but destined to choke another lead away. And then the defense just decided hey, you know what? We could actually win a game for once. We can win a game when Lamar Jackson's (laughs) having a poor day and then they actually come out and win a game. So, you know, good on the Ravens defense. I thought they were for sure going to choke that one. I thought 100% they were choking that one. They came in. They came through. Look, Cade York had an unfortunate miss towards the end of the game and then yeah, the Ravens just holding on there 23-20. I think, yeah, Baltimore, they've got a few more things looking upwards now with that win. If if they lost, then a lot of things would have been said oh. at coming out of this one. But a win, a win can boost their confidence. That's just what I feel about the Ravens. A win can just boost their confidence. Yeah, it's just a weird one to talk about because, yeah, I think they just can boost their confidence with this win. Just knowing that they can actually win a game, especially for their defense, that can really mean a lot to a football team. So yeah, good on the Ravens defense for winning that one.
0: Yeah, just just as I said, just. So we'll move on to another one uh from this week that we sort of had a bit of an eye on, and it was a it's a bit of a surprise one. Um I guess it's a surprise. It's maybe not a surprise. You don't I'm not going where you think I'm going yet. Uh the Seahawks get the win over the Chargers, 37 to 23. The Geno Smith Seahawks still are rolling at four and three. Chargers also at four and three now. Uh, in a couple of insane stats, that on either side, I guess the QBs, uh, Geno 20 of 27, 210 yards, two TDs, an interception. Uh, he was pretty much Faultless, I watched a bit of this game, and it was uh, really good, but the, obviously the big the big talking point out of the game was Kenneth Walker, uh, 23 carries for 168 yards and two TDs, an average of 7.3, which is insane. Uh, he was having the time of his life um, coming out of that backfield there. On the other side, Justin Herbert threw an insane 51 passes and completed 33 of them the 293 yards, two TDs and an interception. Uh, but they just could not – I mean, apart from Austin Eckler, who had a, a bit over 100 yards in total, scrimmage yards, um, and a couple of TDs, nobody else seemed to really get going on that Chargers' offence that well. Um, I was watching a little bit of it. It was it was insanity. The amount of times that they were just three and out, three and out, three and out, or um, their third down, the Chargers' third down offence was – woeful woeful so bad um i think there was stats in there somewhere around the third quarter where they hadn't converted a single third down um which is just it's ridiculous for any team in the nfl at <laughs> this point yeah but um but the seahawks jesus i don't know how they keep doing it manjo oh
1: they they drafted really well this year
0: that's oh. Yes, um, yeah. absolutely. They got
1: yeah. they got some amazing studs. They got, what, two rookie tackles that are doing well on the offensive line. Of course, Kenneth Walker, what a performance by him. And then Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, their corners, they did an amazing job on the charges in this one. And, yeah, yeah just noticing the charges, if you look at Herbert's stats so far, here's his attempts with every game. So starting from the first game going on, So he had 34 attempts in the first game, then 48, 45, 39, 34, 57, and 51. So he's been... They've just been like, fuck it, throw with Herbert. Just let (laughs) Herbert throw. That's just been the entire Chargers strategy this whole season. I think this is going to be a flaw for the Chargers. I think this is where defenses and defensive coordinators can pick up on something like this. They can play a bit deeper. They can play double-teaming the receivers, not worry that much about Eckler. not worry that much about their other running backs like Michelle or Spiller. They only rushed the ball, what, 15 times in this game. That's just that's just crazy. I, I feel like their run and pass balance, it's just not on the... It's just not on the same page. It's just something that they need to fix. Because if you're throwing it 51 times and what, they have, what, 15 rush attempts. That's that's an insane percentage towards the passing game. I mean, they were behind quite early. The Seahawks jumped out to a 17 nothing lead after the first quarter. So the oh, Chargers yeah. pretty yeah. much were forced to throw. But even last week when the game was pretty close, they they still throw like 57 times the purpose. So it's just a weird one when you look at it for the Chargers. I don't know what to say about their team because at 4-3, and three, I just – I don't really rate the Chargers this year. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries. I think that's pretty much the reason why. I think they're just falling out of that contender status that I put them in. I put them as winning the AFC West, to be fair, but I think they're just – they're just falling out because of the injuries they've suffered. The the sort of, I don't know, it's Brandon Staley's coaching is a bit perplexing, of course, with all those passing attempts towards Herbert. It's just perplexing me just how difficult it is. And the defense hasn't really delivered. They've just been conceding points here and there at the worst possible times. JC Jackson, he hasn't looked like the right sign. I mean, he just got injured, which is just a shame. You know, I'm hoping he has a good recovery. But even before he got injured, didn't look like the right guy at cornerback for them. So, yeah, I'm not meaning any disrespect. He just got injured, of course. But he just never looked right. He was conceding, what, a 110 passer rating coming into this week, which is just insane. He was conceding, what, 39-40 passer rating pretty much consistently in his time at New England. And then here he comes to... The Chargers, a five-year, $87.5 million US deal. And then he's coming here and he's not playing well. He's not performing on the contract and he gets injured straight away. The signing just, uh, sadly, it's not looking good at the moment, but hopefully he has a good year on his comeback next year. But yeah, the Chargers, a lot of questions I have for them. Their, their wins haven't been so convincing. Their losses, they've been more glaring. So, it's on the charge, it's on Herbert and Eckler to really improve. I know they've had their fair share of injuries, so they can have a bit of a pass there. But look, Keenan Allen coming back, hopefully he can stay out there a bit more and you know, get a few more targets and yeah, he was out of the he was out of the second half, but hopefully he can play a bit more coming into the rest of the season.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Well, let's get on to the game that Manjot wants to talk about. Uh, maybe uh, not. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Or well, you still want to. I know you're going to have a bit of a whinge about it, but let's go. Right up. Uh, Chiefs obviously beat the 49ers this week. Chiefs 44, 49ers 23, in a highly, highly entertaining uh, match. I mean, you. You have to give them that, man, It was definitely. definitely an entertaining matchup, up um, And the 49ers were definitely in it at by half-time. Uh, it just seemed that the Chiefs absolutely put the throttle down, the foot down, on the throttle, right foot down, hard to the floor coming out of the gate in the second half um, and totally ran away with it um, and uh, to the point where the 49ers decided to, Put Brock Purdy in uh, oh, <laughs> as QB, in place of Jimmy G for a while. Um, give Purdy a bit of a throw because clearly nothing was going to work and nothing was going to get him back in the game. Jimmy G threw 25 of 37 for 303 yards. Oh, I mean, it's a fairly – he had a fairly solid game in terms of passing yards. Uh, two TDs and an interception, which was just a bit of a garbage interception. A
1: fair um, stat line. It's a yeah, fair stat line. Fair but... stat line.
0: Um, Taking but, five but, sacks is just yeah. is huge, huge. But Mahomes, Mahomes being Mahomes again, twenty-five and thirty-four for four hundred and twenty-three yards, three TDs, uh, and an interception early on, uh, which I thought for sure was going to really start setting up that game as a as a cliffhanger, if he was throwing interceptions in the first quarter. Um, yeah, exactly. They, they all, they did figure it out. The Chiefs figured it out, which is always still exciting to watch. Um, yeah, it, I mean Juju Smith, Schuster, and Marcus about as Scantling both getting over hundred yards uh, receiving in that game. Um, I think that Travis Kelsey even ninety eight was. Yeah, times. him and Kittle yep. having the same stats: six yeah. catches,
1: ninety eight yards. Yeah, and Kittle just had a touchdown, but Kelsey had the win.
0: Yeah. yeah, but they didn't have anyone else around them, though.
1: Yeah, this is, oh, this is a tough one to talk about. Of course, coming into the game, two days before the game, sorry, three days, actually, two and a half, whatever you want to say, Christian McCaffrey comes to the Niners. We trade our entire draft ball for him. The yeah. second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. There's a couple of thirds left for the Niners in conditional compensatory picks. So, thankfully... No, no, not too much compared to what most people think. But, yeah, Christian McCaffrey had limited usage, but, yeah, he averaged like six yards a touch, so he was looking pretty decent in his few touches that he received. I think that's a promising sign for the Niners, and uh, it's just a difficult, it was a difficult day. I mean, the Niners, they should have done a ton better. This is just the problem I have. We were honoring the 2012 team, Back when I started watching football, that 2012 team was amazing. And we should have honored them way better. That 2012 team, they had an amazing defense stacked on every level, especially the linebacking core. The linebacking core all were like pro ball, all like all pro that year. And it just felt like the defense, that team was just amazing. And then what we saw yesterday, it was just it was disgusting. It was horrible. What I just disgusting. saw from the Niners. Disgusting. Disgusting, yes. Yes, <laughs> man. I mean, I'm, I'm prepared for full shot today because that I was one of I the don't was I don't
0: think it was that bad, man. I think, uh, I think,
1: well, when you concede a third and 20 and a third and 11 on back-to-back drives or two, dry, two out of three drives, that's just a killer. It was just... It pained. When the game's in the balance, you're not meant to concede big gains like that. And look, this game just shows that the Niners were probably right in choosing to move on from Jimmy whenever that happens. Because Jimmy G's... I mean, he had a good stat line. He wasn't really the problem. O-line, like, sold on him. Five sacks allowed. The offensive line needs needs to do a lot better. Defense needs to do a ton better. That was terrible. I think part of the problem, though, with the defense, a ton of the guys are banged up, and I think they'll just rush back game early or so. Except for, I think Bosa was probably the only guy to even give much of a pass to and Even Danny conceded that third and 20 to McKinnon. They just threw it right at him, and then he just couldn't do anything because he was just going for the quarterback. And Yeah, I just think with the Niners, the defense, they just need they just need to do a lot better the next game against the Rams in the in the big division game, and I think yeah, with the Niners, they just gotta they just gotta do something because yeah, the defense just needs to improve. I think with CMC coming in, if him and Depot and those guys sort of gel, I think that'll make it a lot easier for Dim- Jimmy G to like really gel into the passing game. He's He's shown that recently. I think Jimmy's thrown, thrown a lot deeper than usual. He's shown that. But, yeah, he's definitely not that guy. I think this is a tale that quarterback matters a ton in the NFL. So, yeah, I'll leave it at that before I go into the 30 minutes well, that you were expecting.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I'll go on with a bit more, mate. I, I think I know there was a turning point here that I noticed when I was watching it. Early in the second quarter, uh Chiefs got a touchdown. And then 49ers went eight plays, punt, three plays, yeah. interception. Uh Chiefs missed a field goal, end of half. Okay. Yeah. So we come out from the half. Chiefs get the ball. Uh Robin Gould kicks obviously kicks through. Uh Pacheco returns for, I think it was, what does it say here? 48 yards. And yeah. then and then Jennings. Gets an unnecessary roughness call because he pushed Pacheco after he was well and truly over the sideline. He was almost yeah. in a bench and he pushed him, which progressed at another 15 yards on. So all of a sudden they're at the San Francisco 48. And from that point on, it's first and 10, second and seven, first and 10, touchdown. Like, yeah. Like that was, that's absolutely, and from that point, you can see where the game just totally went away. That was completely unnecessary play by Jennings. Uh, and I don't think he screwed them at that point because after that it was a field goal of the Niners, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. So they trade touchdowns, and it was just from then on. When when they're already ahead, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, when they're already ahead, they, you're never going to catch the Chiefs. You're really not going to catch the Chiefs. Um, yeah, and I think I think the
1: usage of Christian McCaffrey as well. I mean, it's his first game, but it was good. I I feel like, no, you,
0: can't, gonna... you can't get on that. His first game, and then uh, yeah. I feel like
1: a few more more goal-line carries, though. I think that would have helped the Niners to really get into the end zone. Him on more goal-line players compared to Jeff Wilson. I mean, Wilson played well, though, in his reduced role. He dropped a touchdown, though, but uh, apart from that, he played pretty well, and that dropped touchdown again. Another turning point. A lot of misses from the Niners, but hopefully they can learn. I think just the addition of Christian McCaffrey does. It's a good one for the Niners, as much as people are like, "Ah, oh, you sold your entire draft for him." I think, I think, look, not losing a first-round pick, I think that's a plus. And then you don't know how you're gonna hit on picks like that. And then, of course, Christian McCaffrey is on this sort of Hall of Fame pace with his scrimmage yards. I think Shanahan's running scheme built for him. And one more message to the Niners fans. I've seen a ton of people this week are like, oh, fire Kyle Shanahan, he's a trash coach. But I don't think he's the problem. I think a lot of people have been overreacting recently. They've been saying he's not a good play call. Yes, he's had his play calling struggles this year, 100%. But to say he's going to get... That is just the most ludicrous things I've been seeing. I've been seeing some ludicrous takes out of this game. I mean, I saw Bill Barnwell say on ESPN, he's like, oh, the Niners should keep Jimmy G. No, we should not. I think Jimmy G's time is done. I mean, he had a decent game, but his time is done. His his time is done. It's the Trey Lance's team. And look, Kyle Shanahan, he's got to be kept. There's, there's no reason to fight put Kyle Shanahan on the streets. He's one of the brightest offensive minds in the NFL. You can't just do that. One, another team would snap him up within a second. That's just the truth. So, people should stop overreacting. should realize how far Kyle Shanahan has brought this team. We were literally the worst roster in the NFL in 2017 when he came. And then he comes here. I mean, the Browns, of course, still up there too. But, look, he comes in and then He just rebuilds this program, makes us a Super Bowl contender year in, year out. If it wasn't for injuries, we'd be a lot better. If it wasn't for Jimmy G, we'd be a lot better. So, look, it's not on Shanahan. It's on Jimmy G, all the injuries and everything. So, stop overreacting. Stop saying, fire Carl Shanahan, because you guys are just sounding dumb out there. Sorry to say that.
0: But, yeah. Well, one more thing that I want to to overreact. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I know that you've been on a Lamar train and it seems like ever since you've announced you've you've professed your love for Lamar
1: <laughs> Ever he, since that take oh he's
0: been basically standing in two feet into a bucket of shit. Yeah. Patrick I, Mahomes, I fixed it. <laughs> you did, obviously. Patrick Mahomes, for me, is the best quarterback in the game right now. Oh, but, but no, Past Tom Brady is just past it. The dude it has had the worst unretirement in the history of unretirements. Oh. Um, and don't I don't talk
1: about that game. And he
0: totally. thinks he's and he thinks he's going to play till he's 50 now because there's nothing else going on in his life, but I don't know no. whether I don't know whether the Bucs will even let him play till he's 50 the way he's playing this year. Um Rogers is clearly not got it, but to me the mark of a good a good leader, a good quarterback um, a, 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 an exceptional player is to lift up all of those around them and really push them. Uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't do that for me at all because obviously the, the Ravens have been losing games um, and everything is about Lamar. When Lamar doesn't perform, it, nothing happens. Whereas Mahomes is already past 2,000 passing yards for this season but it's the way that the the KC offense is just motoring. There are seven players on that team, and he and he said to fantasy uh, fantasy heads at the start of the season that he was already sorry because the way that they were going to play meant that nobody, no one person was going to get the ball like they used to. Um, obviously, Kelsey. without Tyreek Hill, so <laughs> Kelsey, you can disagree with that because he's still the top fantasy tight end. He's uh, the top fantasy tight end because it's a tight end position, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but there are there are seven players over a hundred yards for the season already uh, on that on that team. Um, three wide receivers, three uh, three wide receivers, two running backs, and, and Travis Kelsey. Um, and then there's four players, including Patrick Mahomes, who are over a hundred yards rushing for the season already, um, and obviously. CH at the top of that tree, um, being their number one. But I think, I think he ha- absolutely is the best QB in the league right now. Um, and probably will be right through for the rest of the season. And it's scary that the way that the Kansas City Chiefs managed to take something which should have been a negative, like, well, what everyone thought was a negative, trading away Tyreek Hill. Um, and, and have turned it into a positive by being able to spread the ball around more through their entire offense, especially uh in receiving core, um and, and basically I almost letting uh, Mahomes choose plays. It's not like it's it's not like there there are RPO options in, in the games. It's like it's it's pass options. It's, <laughs> it's the way he's going through read second, third, fourth run a bit with my legs, then then pass the ball, make some magic appear, underhanded throws, like it is just insane so far this season. And it's even as a it, when you're not even a, a Chiefs fan, it's actually exciting and fun to watch. It makes a yeah. game fun to watch every week.
1: Yeah, it's a difficult offense to read. I think look, Andy Reid deserves a ton of credit. The way he's designed it around Mahomes has been incredible. I think Andy Reid's one of those coaches again, like Carl Shanahan. Like this is probably a good comparison for all the people hating Carl Shanahan is that Andy Reid he never won Super Bowls. He never had that quarterback. Once he found that quarterback in Mahomes, I mean he had McNabb back in the day with the Eagles, but I mean they went to five consecutive championship games, just couldn't get it done in the end. But look, Mahomes he's another guy. He's the guy for Reid. Just perfect. He can throw it everywhere. He can do everything. I think definitely in I think this sort of generation coming in, I think Mahomes is going to be that sort of go. He's going to be the Brady of this generation. I think Allen, I'd compare him to Peyton Manning in this sort of big stature, big passing sort of situation. I think, yeah, Mahomes and Allen, that's going to be the rivalry. And look, i I tip Mahomes as the best quarterback in this current crop, I, I will agree with that because he has shown he's done in the playoffs, he's done in the Super Bowl, he's won a Super Bowl, been to another one. So he's shown that he can do he can do it when it counts. And look with yeah. Andy Reid at as play caller, he's been designing all these great plays. He's gotten everyone involved. He's fed everyone with the ball. And I think look, Mahomes, he's just executed all the simple plays here. I think that's the thing we, we take away from the Chiefs' offense with Tyreek is those flashy players, those down-the-field, deep passes, Tyreek just searching for the ball. He cups it in his hands, he catches it, and then he's running away to the end zone. We don't see that. That's in Miami now, but we don't see that anymore from the Chiefs. We just see these short 10-yard passes over the middle through Kelsey, through Juju. I think Juju, he's having an amazing year. I think we're seeing Juju really come back. I think that's massive for the Chiefs' offense. I think Juju Smith-Schuster, he's he's not attracting enough attention from defenses now because he's not really been that same dominant player that he was in 2018 2019, he kind of fell off a little bit, but then now he's just come back into his own. He even hit the Ronaldo CU against us yesterday, which I actually enjoyed quite a bit. I thought, I thought, I thought the Niners defense deserved that because look, Juju and Mahomes, they're just cooking. And I think, I think Mahomes, he's definitely being underrated in MVP talks at this point because he's just doing all the simple stuff. and. He's not making as many flashy plays as Hurts or Allen do at week to week, but he's still getting it done. He's still doing his job. And I think Mahomes, over the course of his career, he will definitely be consistently up there as one of the best quarterbacks. I think definitely the GOAT case, I know people like pushing it a couple of years ago and felt too early, but I think there's definitely a GOAT trajectory for Mahomes. I don't think it's fair that we base it that oh, he can't be the GOAT anymore because Brady beat him in a Super Bowl. I think that's a bit <laughs> no. of... That's an unfair argument that I, I'll definitely raise at the end of his career, at the end of Mahomes' career, because he's changed this entire sport. He, the entire sport has changed around Patrick Mahomes and the way he's done his business, he's just... He's got a 10-year, 500 million contract as well, so... He's just changed the entire quarterback yeah. market
0: and I don't, think, I, don't quarterback. Him, I don't think you can call call him the GOAT until uh, until he's been in the league as long as Brady. Crazy, yeah, basically. exactly. You yeah. need to be there and then have that conversation around that point. But I,
1: I was just saying he's on the trajectory. I'm not saying yeah, he's definitely. on the goat.
0: But I was just yeah, the so state. I at this point in time, hundred percent the best QB. It, it's it can't be there's no one else. It's really yeah. gonna be on on the level he's at right now. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that. How about we while we're talking about uh, the the current greatest of all time, let's get on to some upsets. Uh, the Panthers this week with a third string quarterback, after they'd traded away their franchise running back to the 49ers, came out and somehow galvanized themselves together. To beat the Bucks 21 to 3. Um, it was uh, oh understandably an absolutely atrocious game for Tom Brady uh, and the Bucks, um, all of which, and it started with the, the Mike Evans uh drop in the middle of nowhere. Um <laughs> that he should, really should be. You've got, oh, you've, got a, you've got a you've got a definite Hall of Famer Brady throwing to a probably Hall of Fame. Mike Evans, and he's in the middle of nowhere with just a referee around him and somehow manages to drop a a deep pass on what was was the third play of the game Um, and then they just did nothing from that point onwards. Um, Whereas they had Brady through still, I just don't understand these stat lines. Brady threw 32 of 49 and 290 yards to not score at all. Whereas PJ Walker, third string quarterback for the Panthers, threw 16 of 22 for 177 yards and two TDs. The Bucs had 46 total yards in rushing. 46. 46. I don't oh, I got to take back that sleeper
1: nickname <laughs> I had for freaking Lenny was uh, was that called the entire Bucks offense? No, he wasn't that day. Look, there was nobody. I'm...
0: There was nobody on that what they just, they did nothing. I don't know how when you've got Leonard Fournette and Richard White, how do we still only get forty-six yards of total rushing? In total rushing. Yeah, first, look, I've got to talk about Tom Brady.
1: First off, Mike Evans, man, as a wide receiver myself, I'm—I'm I'm sitting there thinking, I could catch that. I—I I would catch that in my sleep. I'm—I'm I'm sorry, I just got to be a little... I mean, he knows he can catch that 99 times out of 100. This was just the one out of 100 times. I mean, look, after this, I can't call him a top 10 wide receiver anymore. It's just sad. Just sad. I think I've got to stop using that line because it's just... Look, Brady, let's just be honest. It's not that Brady doesn't have an O-line. It's not that Brady doesn't have receivers. It's not that his marriage might be in trouble and whatever. Look, let's just face the simple matter of fact. Tom Brady is forty-five years old. The decline the was coming
0: sooner or later. It's just come oh, now. He's forty-five. His head's not there. I still can't understand why he's he decided he'd come back because his head is clearly not in the game. Like he's not practicing with the team at points. He's not. He's he's not doing walkthroughs. He's not doing meetings. Like we. This has all been documented up until this point. Um, you know, you've it's just his head's not there. And it's yeah, just it's, it's very unrady like for someone who was basically a robot for the the first part of his career. Um, and it's just I don't know when he decides himself that maybe he should just um, back away slowly. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah <laughs> I think this has to be it. I think
1: this just has. I mean, he's
0: come out and said he's, he's going, going to have to. to I can't I can't see Todd Bowles sitting him. That's for sure. Yeah. I can't see the Buccaneers saying we're going to bench Tom Brady because it's just not going to happen. But what's uh, gonna, what's going to end up happening is the Bucks, who are now at three and four, are going to are going to end up the season with like six wins, and they'll they'll just totally tank their season because they refuse to sit Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, it's a weird situation. I think. Even entertaining trade-offers at this point for Tom Brady. I mean, this is crazy talk at this point. You would think a year ago, you'd be like, Manjo, what do you want? Why are you talking about them trading with Tom Brady? But at this point, I think they just got to find a trade partner for Tom Brady and just get him out of there. I think this is the way they've got to save their season. I mean... Uh, you've got, what, Blaine Gabbert sitting back there. I mean, that's not going to do the I job. I don't, I don't, I don't think but you get a a trade, trade I, I
0: can imagine his his contract has a very rock-solid no-trade clause in it. Um, yeah, it must it'll be. be. It'll be a Tom-will-do-what-Tom-wants-to-do Tom kind of clause. Um,
1: yeah, I reckon the only team he'd want to go is, I don't know, even then, if there's any chance it'd be like the 49ers who he loved growing up, but even then, the Niners
0: wouldn't do that. I mean, if you're going to be if you're going to be losing to the Panthers, who everybody in the league knows is is just they were the worst team in the, the league
1: coming into you this. You may one. as
0: well have Blaine Gabbert losing to the Panthers. Like, yeah, at least because at that point you know you, you you've got a a junior level quarterback in there, and no one's expecting you to do any good. It's like disgraceful. It away. You may as well trade away some of the other assets. Trade, yeah. trade some of the others. Trade Leonard Fournette. Trade Mike Evans. Try and get something back from those guys because you're not going to be able to trade Brady. Um, and, um I, I wouldn't blow up the team just to
1: appease, like, just to get something out of this season. I think blowing up the team, you can keep that core together with a new quarterback such as Blaine Gabbert, who's laying the system. I mean, that's just crazy thinking about Blaine Gabbert replacing Tom
0: Brady. But look, Who are they going to get, though, to lead this this team? Because it would have to be, with the people on this team, it would have to be someone that can lead the team effectively to actual wins. Uh, And and you can't, you're still, you're taking an absolute punt on a rookie uh, if you go into a draft and think you're going to do it that way. You're taking an absolute punt on Blaine Gabbert to do it. Um, You can't trade for anyone in the league. Who are you going to really... Who are you going to do? The, the only the only way forward here is to start blowing the team up, really, and get what you can get, and uh, not really a rebuild, but start getting some kind of assets back when you get to um when you get to the draft. That's you know, and and get on to the next phase. That's about the only it's about the only way I see Tom Bowles keeping a Todd Bowles keeping a job. That's for sure. Because yeah. if gets, if you end up with a losing season with Tom Brady, I don't think he's going to keep his job. He think he goes before Brady does? Brady will still be there playing in his 50s with a different coach. That's what it'll be. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, Brady, he's going to be... Maybe they get Belichick. Yeah. I mean, 2023, yeah, 2023 to 26, they're all avoidable years for Brady. So he can totally, they can just cut him out of the contract. I think that's pretty much what they're going to do at the end of the season. I think this is it. They, I think they're gonna to cut Tom Brady at the end of the year. It's just they've got to move on at some point. the The NFL, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but the NFL's got to move on from Tom Brady at some point. He's just got to retire. Yeah, He's does. got to move on to the NFL, and I think it's after this season. I mean, it's not. It's not going to be in his hands. I think it's going to be in the team's hands. And then, which team would want to? Sign a forty-six-year-old quarterback in Tom Brady, a forty-six Tom-year-old Tom Brady. When at forty-five, he's already he's already declining. I think at this point, I think Tom Brady. This is his final his final dance. This is the last dance. He just gotta, they're just gonna ride this out and just cut him at the end of the year. Just not. I mean, the, all the contract details. They're all avoidable years at this point. So, look, Tom Brady. He's just got it's just untenable for him to be playing in the NFL. It's not it's not know. even a joke at, at
0: this point. He's gotta go. There's an insane stat out of this, and it's not like it was all just the Bucks. no one did anything in the first half. Um it was a weird game to watch. But before we move on, here's the first the first half plays from both teams. So Bucks, five plays, ten yards, punt. Panthers three plays nine yards punt, Bucks seven plays thirty three yards punt. What are we doing? Panthers punt, Bucks punt, Panthers punt, Bucks punt, Panthers five plays eighty yards touchdown. Oh, someone did something. End of half. What this punt, 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 punt touchdown half. What do we? The box score is insane for this game. I just and even after that, there's still the the Bucks is just punt. Um, uh, downs, punt, field goal. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> what, I just don't understand. So, we'll have to move on. That was a terrible. That uh, definitely one. a disappointment. There's De- definitely a disappointment, um, that game. So, the other disappointment, big disappointment I'd marked down, and I don't know whether you agree, I suppose you probably would. Uh, the Packers dropped to three and four after going down 23 21 to the Commanders. Um, it was already going to be danger time for him when Taylor Heineke was uh, was listed as the starter. Um, the Carson Wentz because um, Taylor Heineke's record with the Commanders is actually pretty good. Uh, yeah, he threw twenty to thirty three two hundred one yards, two TDs, interception. Rogers twenty three or thirty five hundred ninety two and two TDs. Again though, he's the big stat, and the same as in the Bucks game we just talked about. Packers thirty eight yards total rushing. Thirty eight. Yeah. With, I, with Aaron Jones. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean he got two receiving touchdowns. He was still in the
0: game. But, but the running it's just but you're not rushing. It's like uh the game was like um Rogers just wanted to keep pushing the pass, pushing the pass, pushing the pass. I was Roger... just
1: talking about that with Herbert and the Chargers. Yeah. Like too many teams are just flipping off script. I think this is another problem. I mean, last week I brought up young defenses being a massive reason why low scoring is going down, all these young defensive stars. And I think this year the coaching also has gone quite awry. And I think a lot of teams are forgetting that running backs in the rushing game exists. I mean, the best teams, they've had good running games. The Eagles, good running quarterback, Miles Sanders, they've used them both. They've used them both to some sort of success, and they've got some. They've got all wins, all wins there. The the Vikings, they've I mean, okay, they haven't used Cook and Madison as much. I mean, they've been like throwing it a lot. They're a bit of an exception, but like the Bills, they've they've put Singletary in at times, and he's done well. I think teams just got to learn how to run the ball, and I think with Rogers and the Packers, I just don't know. I think. This season is just enough proof again. I think it's another step at showing that Rogers won't win another Super Bowl, at least in Green Bay. But I think in his career, I don't think another Super Bowl's coming. They're literally paying him fifty million dollars a year at this point to put up garbage like this. I mean he, he should be he should be playing more he should be making more plays than this. Yeah. This is not if, good.
0: He was adamant though that his receivers aren't great and they need to learn the game. Um, Romeo Dobbs has been great up to this point, but then dropped pass, and then they didn't use him at all. Uh, but the, why keep pushing the pass if you can't? If you're if you're not confident in your receiving core, and Al Lazard obviously is the only one that you can be, he can actually be confident in, and they still don't use him that much. Then you have to be going through Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon on the ground. You have to be coming doing that. What it just doesn't make any sense to keep pushing these young receivers. To points where they're clearly not comfortable, Um, he tried to talk his way out of the thing that the the comment that he made last week in terms of saying that um, they need to simplify, get back to simplify and simplify things. Uh, And he sort of just tried to talk his way out of that. But it is pretty clear that there's something too complex going on within this offense. There's something that's been dreamed up that's just not right. and they need to fix something pretty quick, yeah. otherwise they're going they're going absolutely nowhere, uh, and they're already at three and four. Um, I think the same thing with Brady off-field drama.
1: Rogers is just too much baggage at this point of his career. I think what you're seeing there, when you were saying that, he's definitely not on the same page as Lafleur. He's definitely him and Lafleur. It's definitely looking like him and McCarthy at this point. The, the disconnect between those two is just the same as McCarthy and Rogers back in 2018, 2017, when Rogers were just changing up plays McCarthy was calling, and he was calling McCarthy out all the time. I think he's doing the same thing with LaFleur, and at some point, you've got to wonder, Aaron Rodgers, he has to be the problem, doesn't he? Because... They haven't won shit with him since 2010. They won one Super Bowl with him. They've gone to four NFC Championship games, I believe, in the, since then, and they've lost every time. They've lost to the Niners four times. They've just they've lost every single time. They've disappointed every single year with Aaron Rodgers. They should be winning at least two or more Super Bowls with him in that career span, but they just didn't. They only won two Super Bowls since 1992, and they've had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers play all but maybe like. 20 games in that sort of time span in 30 years and they have two Super Bowls to show for it and that's just it's just a disappointment from the Packers organization they haven't done enough I reckon to satisfy their quarterbacks to get their quarterback success and again this year is another showing I think we can I'm almost ready to write off the Packers this year there's going to be what three NFC East teams in the playoffs you're going to ex- suspect that the Niners or Rams are going to get that seventh seed. So I think at this point, the Packers' playoff odds are getting slimmer and slimmer. The more they lose, the the Vikings have a game at hand, and they're already two games ahead in the division. The two wins ahead, there can be three wins ahead when the Packers have their bye week eventually. Look, it's just a disaster from the Packers, complete disaster from them. And I think Rodgers, he's just... It's just too much baggage of him, too much baggage between him and LaFleur. And it's just killing the team at this point.
0: Yeah. Absolutely agree, mate. Absolutely I've agree. been on some rants tonight, by yeah, the way. Just... Well, let's get on to let's move on to some news. Let's uh let's get on the rest of the news. We've got a scheduled up here. There's a couple of other big things to go on with. Um the Colts have benched Matt Ryan for the remainder of the season um sam ellinger to start with nick Foles as backup they've also said that matt Ryan won't practice this week due to a shoulder injury um pretty clear to me that the colts don't know the difference between an injury and a benching um so someone in that organization needs to work out the semantics of um of words and (laughs) and phrases and Figure out how to say that because saying that you've benched him but he's also not practicing because he's injured is uh, two very different things. Um, yeah. Sam Ellinger, interestingly, will be the Colts' seventh different quarterback under Frank Wright since 2018. They've gone through Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and now under Sam Ellinger. The yeah. QB is not the common denominator at the, to the to at the Colts for the what is the problem? It's pretty clear that Frank Reich is the common denominator, and um, I can't see how even if they are going to move on from Matt Ryan uh, at the end of the season, I can't see how they don't move on from Frank Reich as well. Um, of course, with Ryan's contract being mostly guaranteed, uh, I think the reports were he's owed about twenty-four mil from this season, about fourteen uh, guaranteed twelve mil. For 2023 and then another 14 gets guaranteed on March 17th so you can expect him to pretty much be moved on before March 17, 2023 for sure. Let me
1: add another name on that list. Since 2017, Chris Ballard has been their GM. They also had Scott Tolzien added into that list. So eight different quarterbacks since 2017. Seven since 2018, as you said. So, look, Chris Ballard I feel like he's done a terrible job at the quarterback position. I mean, they've done pretty well. I mean, having Locke just retire mid season, it was like just before the season actually in 2019. It was just it was a bombshell. It's it kills any team. I mean, they've tried their best, but look, the quarterbacks they brought in, it's just it's just it's not great. I, I'm gonna be honest. It's just it's been again another team I've got to rant about. It's just been, again, just pure garbage. I mean,
0: Philip Rivers is the best of this lot. (laughs) I don't don't think Matt Ryan's that bad. I think that more of their bigger problem now, and it'll still get shown up with Sam Ellinger at um, at QB, is their offensive line is absolute garbage, and they can't protect their quarterback. The the amount of hits Matt Ryan has taken in the first seven games is astonishing. Yeah, but what has
1: Matt Ryan... Actually I mean he has one good game this year against the Jaguars and that was it. right, the, oh, no, the 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 oh, okay. Th- there's your other good game that he's had. Okay, so he's had maybe two or three good games out of the first seven, but he's just not shown it. He's not shown that he's the same Matt Ryan that was MVP of like five years ago. That's what everyone was expecting out of him. Mm. That's Everyone's putting the Colts on a pedestal. Taylor from Aussie NFL fans, he is completely right about this team. I completely agree with him at the start of the year. We had tons of debates: Colts or Titans winning this division, and no
0: one was looking at the Titans oh, being the better team. It's always going to be Titans. It's be titans that's just the Colts so were... fans always crying poor and saying that it's no <laughs> is us, and no one looks at us, and no one gives us a <laughs> It's not yeah. everyone gives you respect because the rest of your division is fucking garbage. Yeah, the Colts <laughs>
1: get overhyped for these quarterbacks every year. And
0: every year the Titans manage to win the division with 10 yeah. wins. Like, yeah. like, it's just a garbage division.
1: Like, Derek Henry and Ryan Tannehill somehow. I mean, you've got... Frank Reich, everyone's like, oh, he's this quarterback whisperer. He got the best out of Wentz. They bring him Wentz, and Wentz plays like garbage. They also bring like, Philip Rivers. He played all right, but he retired because he was clearly not the right guy. I mean, let's just be fair. Philip Rivers wasn't the right guy for them, and he wasn't even a long-term player. It's just a one-year rental for them. And then even, like... Ryan, I thought he was pretty much going to be the same as Philip Rivers. But then he turned out to be worse than Phillip Rivers. And yet everyone in the Colts organization was just hyping him up as going back to his best form. Last year he wasn't even that good. 2020 he had an underrated season, but 2021, he was just he was not good. And I think this is it for Matt Ryan. I think sadly he's another quarterback I've got retiring. Just he's gotta go uh, just retire at this point. It just It's just a sad way for him to go out. I think it. I don't want to be brutal to him. He's a, he's a good dude. He's a good guy. I think he had some great times in Atlanta. He deserves a lot of respect, I think. But it's just the right time for him to retire. It's just... I, I hate to be brutal to him, but uh, it's have, his time. I have to agree. I think it's going to happen.
0: Anyway. Yeah, uh, it makes me uh, feel uh,
1: sad to be that brutal, but it's over for him. It
0: is. Uh Broncos running back Mike Boone suffered an ankle injury in Sunday's loss to the Jets, Uh, and immediately Denver got on the phone to Marlon Mack, who flew from San Francisco to Denver so he could sign from the 49ers practice squad to the Broncos act roster, and then fly to London to face the Jaguars this this weekend. So Marlon Mack off to Denver, uh, Mike Boone out, possibly for the remainder of the season. Uh, and Marlon Mack basically thrown straight into the, the playing squad uh, for next Sunday at, in London. Um, Denver Jaguars, which hopefully, fingers crossed, will be a half-decent game, um, yeah. considering it features Denver yet again. Uh, but, but, yeah, there's Marlon Mack.
1: Yeah, he's back. Some, I mean, he's back. I think, yeah, him... Melvin Gordon, that's a that's a weird duo. Did not have that on my bingo card for Denver Broncos. Weird, no, I okay. had nothing on that freaking bingo card. Go right for my Denver Broncos predictions, man. Look,
0: it was also, to... there was also a report that, that I think the charges had also been on the phone, um, inquiring about Marlon Mate, too. Uh, also or basically immediately after the, the games on the weekend.
1: So. Interesting. Yeah, Marlon Mack, he's definitely in the, he was definitely in the outer for the Niners after CMC came in. So the Niners need to offload a running back. I think he was on the yes. practice squad anyway, so he wasn't against I did, the
0: 53. So think they'll off, offload another running back yet anyway.
1: Yeah, there's probably a couple of rookies they'll do. So mm-hmm. teams will be, I think Tevin Coleman would be the next one down for the Niners there. So Tevin Coleman might be looking for a new home. After this uh, next couple of weeks, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, big predictions last week, mate. As oh, I said, fly through them, man. They were they were garbage. They were garbage. <laughs> How about we just go through the ticks? The few that we did get right 1, 2, 3, 4, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 from me. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 from you. I got four right. You got two right. <laughs> so oh, They were like
1: to combine six for 26. So Yeah, strike rates <laughs>
0: basically the same. Um, I had Giants under seven, which of course they won by six. Miles Garrett got a sack in his game. Chiefs 14 plus. Uh, and actually I went higher on my betting line on Sportsbet for that. And I got a, a fair bundle of cash this weekend no, because no. of that. Uh, Austin Eckler, 80 plus yards and a TD one you got right, Chiefs by 10, because obviously we went Chiefs as well. The amazing one that you got right that I laughed my ass off about when it happened during the game was you had Broncos 10 or less points total and they only <laughs> scored nine. Oh, um, thank so that God. Was an, that was an amazing prediction. I love that one. Um, yeah,
1: I was hard on the just defense, even that was even before Ross got ruled out, too. So, even before he said all that shit about Wolverine blood, so look, not... that Wolverine blood didn't come through. And then, look, I mean, to be fair, can you really say Wolverine blood if you're a Wisconsin Badger? Disgraceful <laughs> to your old, Alma mater, there, Russell Wilson. Come on, man. But
0: yeah. Glad I got that one, right? I think Glad we got one, the
1: Chiefs once again. Yeah. I think
0: the only ones of mine that I was actually really upset about not getting, uh, and it is because I've started to put some money on the ones that I've been doing just for the fun of it. Um uh, is both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell got over 100 yards receiving on the weekend, and neither of them got a touchdown. And that's, I was wow. like, what the actual fuck?
1: <laughs> Man, the way they came out in that game too, they were looking yeah. like... Tour is gonna definitely get three hundred. I don't even understand how he they, didn't.
0: They threw TDs to the to the weirdest people on the weekend, not ones at <laughs> yeah. like all. They always throw it to like Trent Sherfield and
1: Mike yeah. Gesicki. Like, come on, man! <laughs> not to the Waddle and Tyreek yeah. Joe. All
0: right. Well, the last part of, of our recap, every recap show is Manjot's pastry former team of the week for week seven. Uh it was an interesting one. So I'm gonna be interested to see who you got amongst your players here. Um let's go, mate. What do we got for the offense?
1: Yeah, quarterback. Now it went very controversially. I did that's want not to that's
0: controversial put, at all. What do you
1: I, I wanted to put Patrick Mahomes here because he had the no. game. But Joe <laughs> Burrow, he was cooking three
0: hundred and forty two <laughs> yards in the first half. Yeah. Captain, you're not effective. I would, have been, look, I would have been disgusted if you didn't pick him. I think this
1: offense for the patient performer team of the week is the entire Bengals offense today. <laughs> God just damn, they're on fire. Yeah, I'd put the entire offense and then the defense be like, I don't know, the, the Bears or something after what they did today. But <laughs> yeah, look, that Bengals offense cooking Joe Burrow 34-42. Four hundred eighty-one passing yards, so close to five hundred game again. <laughs> Free touchdown, zero interceptions, and one hundred thirty-eight point two passer rating. Only about fifteen off the the maximum you can get. So that's that's pretty good from Joe Burrow. Uh, sorry, 20, 158.3 is the maximum you can get. So there you go, Kenneth Walker, running back. I know highly requested by Ian here. agree because 23 carries, 168 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Thanks for making my fantasy team look half decent this week, Kenneth Walker, because man, needed that one. Because look, Kenneth Walker, one of my favorite rookie running backs. I think coming out of college, I really wanted a good team for him to go to. I think the Seahawks the right fit for Kenneth Walker. Josh Jacobs, a guy has been flying very, very low under the radar this year. 20 carries, 143 rushing yards, 3 rushing touchdowns, 3 catches, 12 yards. He's had a great year. Deserves a ton of respect. And look, stop underrating Josh Jacobs, everyone. Even I can be guilty of that sometimes. Wide receiver, Jamar Chase. 8 catches, 130 receiving yards, 2 touchdowns. Great day by him. He's also joined by his teammate, Tyler Boyd. 8 catches, 155 receiving yards, and a touchdown for him. Great receiving day for the Bengals wide receivers and my third wide receiver. He's back officially. Juju Smith Schuster mentioned him earlier. Yeah, he's Stop back.
0: Dancing in the middle of the field on your logo. Yeah, he was doing the CU.
1: He's doing well. Yeah, he did the CU this week with seven catches, 140, 124 receiving yards, sorry, and then a touchdown. Good game by Juju. Tight end, I went with George Kittle. He's finally yeah. back six, six catches, 98 yards, and a touchdown. Kelsey had a similar stat line, didn't have the touchdown. So unfortunately, had to go with Kittle. It's a good catch for the touchdown. Rare highlight for the Niners. So the offensive line finally to finish off the offense. I went with Miami. If you don't allow Tua to get sacked when it's a big storyline, I think I think that's good enough to be a good O-line this week, especially against a stout. Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. I yeah. think they did their job up front, the Miami boys.
0: They did, they did a remarkable job this week. They basically allowed him to sit in a pocket and yeah. do whatever he wanted. So yeah, was-
1: especially on that first drive. It really set the tone for the rest of the game. And I think, yeah. you know, Miami deserve credit there, so I'll give them the O-line spot. Now in defense, I went for a couple of boys who had two sacks and a forced fumble, defensive end. Sam Williams for the Dallas Cowboys against the Lions. He got fourth fumble late to seal that game, essentially. And, yeah, the Dallas defense, they did a very good job there. Chris Jones, defensive tackles, had the same stat line. He played pretty well. He had also had the force fumble at the end of that game. So, Jones, he's he's an elite defensive tackle, so he deserves a lot of credit. He's joined in that D-line by his teammate, Frank Clark, three tackles. And he had a one and a half sacks and a safety. So good job by Frank Clark there against the Niners. And to finish off that D-line, defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons. Six tackles, a sack, and helped contain Jonathan Taylor on that defensive line. So they did a good job. I think Taylor only had 58 rushing yards. So they did more than enough. Yeah, they did more than enough to stop Jonathan Taylor. Now my linebackers is with Roquan Smith, 12 tackles, a sack, and an interception really helped the Bears beat the Patriots in a very big shock on Monday Night Football for some, for others, not as much, but I reckon it was a big shock there. Devondre Campbell, he had 12 tackles, he had a good game. Oh yeah, he also had a pick 6 too. so he was pretty much a shining light on the bad day for the Green Bay Packers. And then, to finish off my linebacker spot, I went Matthew Jude on four tackles, two and a half sacks against the Bears. Thought he did a good job, he was pressing fields all night, and Oh man, it made it tough to watch for me, because I was feeling bad for Fields, for a lot of it. And to finish it off, we've got a couple cornerbacks and a couple safeties to go. So, Trayvon Diggs, he had one catch allowed for six yards, an interception, 2.8 pass rating allowed. Definitely tightened it up this year, and look, that Cowboys defense, still looking elite in 2022, and I think Beyond because Trayvon Diggs, he's a great cornerback. Stop disrespecting him if he's still doing it because he's definitely not allowing as many yards anymore. So there's nothing to disrespect. He's elite. Uh, another guy who I put elite and even as a rookie, Tariq Woolen. We were talking about what 59 coverage snaps against Herbert. He had one pass attempt at 37 yards lad. Pretty respectable numbers for Tariq Woolen. He deserves, again, a ton of credit for what he's done as a rookie for Seattle, and they found a real gem in him. And for the safety spots, I went with Jaquan Brisker for the Bears, seven tackles and an interception. Again, him and Roquan Smith, really big parts, and I think Brisker, another rookie that we've got to look at more, and I think he deserves a lot of credit playing on a bad Bears team. He's really, really changed that defense. That's just one thing. That defense has been... A lot improved this year. And for the final spot, I've got Juwan Thornhill, 11 tackles and interception for him. Really stopped that Niners offense from really getting going yesterday. So, Thornhill, great game by him as always. Pace Press NFL. We'll have the team of the week up actually this week. Don't worry, Ian. I know I've been slacking a little bit. But, look, any time away from doing any of those sort of exams that I have, it is time well spent. So, yeah, there you go. Team of the week will be up this week, that's for sure.
0: Excellent, mate. Great work, Uh as always. So, great team. um will be <laughs> interesting to read all about it once you get that stuff up. Uh Obviously, you can check Manjot out at, at Pastry Press NFL for all that fun stuff and some fun game day stuff Yeah, uh, um, and all kinds of other things. It's gonna be a
1: little slow as I navigate through the exam period, but we'll be back very we'll strong be. in week nine. From then on, I'll be full on all in with pastry press stuff. So you guys can catch me there. It'll be fun. We'll be good.
0: We'll good. Uh, right, well, that's us for now. Uh, you can catch us again on probably Friday afternoon, so Saturday morning with our week eight. Preview show—it's uh, insane. This this uh, season just keeps rolling. Um, so obviously we've got uh, we got a few more games to go through, for then, and um, apart from that, uh, I think you can check out the socials at G'day Gridiron. You um, might find some interesting things there. Hopefully during the week, Thursday night football. Uh, maybe some other things depending on what, if any other crazy trades or anything happens, as we get closer and closer to a trade deadline. Um, and Apart from that, it's a uh, buy for now. Yeah, everyone.